All right, thank you for being here and being your place. Summer on a Thursday night, and thank you for being faithful to the church services. I do want to, the, the Yap family is in our, in our midst here this morning, this evening. They're starting a church in Hawthorne. Brother Yap, you want to introduce your family? Let's give them a warm hand. Thank you. By the way, there's something about him I like. I just, there's something about him. Us handsome guys have to stick together. You know how that is. So, of course, this area, you say Hawthorne, that's just probably 11 miles up the freeway from us. Not far at all, but this area is so congested. We could have churches all over the place, and that's a very, very needy city. And so thank you for being with us tonight. And then, um, and then also the singles at our house. We're looking forward to a great time tomorrow night. And let's be there, and we'll have a great time. Most all of you have already been there, so if you, for some reason, don't know the address, you're one of the newers, and I, don't, I haven't given it to you, let me know. And we're excited about that. We had, this past Sunday was uh, Our Love, Our Church Sunday, and we talked about stewardship and giving, and we had a, a, we had a, a giving time of commitment, and uh, we're going through our series, uh, Why We Have Different Ministries, and the, the, the series we had, the, the lesson we had for tonight was stewardship, and I didn't plan that out. Uh, all the different staff members have been teaching this, and uh, just so happens this is my week, and this is this lesson, so it'll kind of tie into what we went through a little bit on Sunday, but a little bit more to it. We're going to show a little video. I was going to show it on Sunday. Uh, we've referenced it in illustrations before, but there's a little video about it, and I want to show it. I didn't show it on Sunday. Uh, we had a missionary here in the morning, and so it was a little bit crowded with our time. But, uh, fellas, you have that ready? Okay, why don't we cue that up and get the lights out? Now, my grandmother was a wonderful person. She taught me how to play the game Monopoly. She understood that the name of the game is to acquire. She would accumulate everything she could, and eventually she became the master of the board. And eventually, every time, she would take my last dollar, and I would quit in utter defeat. And then she would always say the same thing to me. She'd look at me and she'd say, one day, you'll learn to play the game. One summer, I played Monopoly with a neighbor almost every day, all day long. We'd play Monopoly for hours. And that summer, I learned to play the game. I came to understand the only way to win is to make a total commitment to acquisition. I came to understand that money and possessions, that's the way that you keep score. And by the end of that summer, I was more ruthless than my grandmother. I was ready to bend the rules if I had to to win that game. And I sat down with her to play that fall. I took everything she had. I destroyed her financially and psychologically. I watched her give her last dollar and quit in utter defeat. And then she had one more thing to teach me. Then she said, now it all goes back in the box. All those houses and hotels, all the railroads and utility companies, all that property and all that wonderful money. Now it all goes back in the box. I didn't want it to go back in the box. <laughs> no, she said. None of it was really yours. You got all heated up about it for a while. But it was around a long time before you sat down at the board. 
And it will be here after you're gone. Players come and players go. But it all goes back in the box. Houses and cars. Titles and clothes. Filled barns. Bulging portfolios. Even your body. Because the fact is that everything I clutch and consume and hoard is going to go back in the box and I'm going to lose it all. That's not much of an ROI on that. You have to ask yourself, when you finally get the ultimate promotion, when you've made the ultimate purchase, when you buy the ultimate home, when you have stored up financial security and climbed the ladder of success to the highest rung you can possibly climb it, and the thrill wears off, and it will wear off, then what? How far do you have to walk down that road before you see where it leads? Surely you understand it'll never be enough. So you have to ask yourself the question, what matters? All right. We've, we've used that illustration before, and really that is the essence of stewardship. Stewardship is the concept of that nothing belongs to us. Everything we have, God has entrusted to us. And how we choose to use it is stewardship. And so we're going to talk a little about that tonight. Of course, there are two subjects that you talk about in church that people, that people don't like to hear about, right? The first one is politics. You know, Pastor, why do you mention that? You're being political. Um, and I've said it over and over. It's not politics. It's morality. I have a view of taxes. I have a view of other things like that, and that's not really important. We can argue that back and forth. But when it comes to, to the things that, that our government are doing, is doing that is evil, I mean, they can't even pass a law understanding that child trafficking is wrong. In our state, yeah. our governor. So politics. Before I move on, because it's not the message, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of it. It's funny how if you even mention something that I mention things that are moral that maybe are in politics. People say, I don't, I don't like that. I'm not going to come back here because you talked about politics. But yet they'll watch an athlete. And they'll watch a sporting event. And they'll listen to music. And they'll watch entertainment where they are throwing it in your face. Yep. And that's okay. It's morality that we're talking about, but that's not today. That's a message for another day. We're talking, but the second thing that bothers people is giving. Which giving? And because we've heard all the stories over the years, you can find a church, you can find a televangelist, you can find a name it and claim it uh, a false healer that wants you to send their money and find how they've abused that. And, and that's wrong, by the way. But, but that doesn't make the principle that God teaches about giving and money not true. And so we want to look at that. A lot of pastors are afraid to speak about giving. And by the way, we don't do it a lot here. And, um, and by the way, you give. You give generously. We wouldn't be in this building. We wouldn't be doing, you know, we wouldn't be able to do the ministry we're doing and add the different ministry and bought the bus and all the stuff you've done. Uh, you're great with that. But a lot of pastors are afraid of fear of, because they're fearful of upsetting people. But as I mentioned on Sunday, um, as I mentioned on Sunday, the Bible talks about money. 
And the Bible talks about stewardship. And the Bible, the Bible talks a lot about money, not just giving, just how to handle your money. Just how to, how, to, how to use it in a normal everyday life sense. And so I would be cheating you. I started giving right when I got right with God, and I'd never heard about it. I just, as a 17-year-old, uh, just getting saved individual coming into church, I just thought, well, I've heard about this giving thing. I'm, I'm just going to do it. And by the way, I wasn't your typical. I got out of high school early. I was working a job, and I was making really good money at that time. But I gave. And I've been blessed because of it, and God's taken care of me, and it's been great. And so, as a pastor, I can't cheat you on that sense. And it's something we, we have to mention. And so we talk about it. Uh, um, let's, let's take a look here at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if we could. If you don't, I don't know, we ha- if you have the books we passed out, we don't have any more of them. Uh, I don't even know what page that's on that we gave you the notes. But to page 38. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both ministereth bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings to God, unto God. Whilst by, the, whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. In this text, we, we're going to look at how God, Paul spoke of giving. There are certain blanks in the book. I'll, I'll mention this one is, if you think about it, it seems strange that we as Christians would need encouragement to give when God has given us so much. Right? If we stop and think about what God has done in our lives, how God has taken care of us, why is it so hard to obey him and give him that which he asks us to give him? Has he not given to us? It's easy, you know, you know, it's easy to give when someone's generous to you. It really is. And so I don't think we should need a whole lot of prompting to be generous back to God. Obviously, the Corinthian believers were not used to giving, so Paul is explaining it to them. They had issues in a lot of areas in their life. If you read 1 Corinthians, they, that, that was basically an issue-based book. And it seems in 2 Corinthians, they had got some of that stuff corrected, and then he gets into some other areas, and giving is one of the areas he's going to get. The key to to all of this, to me, is understanding God's grace. Because of God's grace so generously bestowed upon us, should we not have the same kind of grace? Should we not just be generous giving people? God is, giving is not something we do, Give is, giving really is something we are, right? That ought to just be a spirit of generosity. 
There ought to just be a spirit of giving. And I don't know, Daniel, I, I'm sorry, I, I tuned out a, t- a second. I was thinking of something when you were giving the, talking about the uh, offering there. But we had probably over 40 bus kids that were here for our uh, bus teenagers here for our youth conference last week. And, and most of those, someone helped them. And, 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 and our church family, like, hey, if these kids can't afford it, what can we do to help? By the way, that's generosity. Okay, that's over and above. That's just looking for an opportunity to be a blessing with the resources God gives us. For a Christian who truly understands the grace of God, giving is a way of life, not an occasional, isolated event. Now, we know this. Giving is, giving and stewardship is more than giving. I think you have the blanks there, and they all start with T. Well, we are stewards of many area. We are stewards of our time, and we understand that, right? We are supposed to, to, to use the time that God gave us uh, in a wise manner and use some of it for him. We ought to be a wise steward of our talents. That's the, the, the skills that he's given to us. You know, if you are a member of a church and you have musical skill, you can use that in the choir, you can use it in the orchestra, whatever it is. You know, if you're skilled as a mechanic, come see us. We have buses. And by the way, the buses are in good shape. We had to buy newer ones, but, but we can always use But whatever it is, God has, 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 has given us all talents. We should use those. We are also stewards of our tribe. What's our tribe? That's our family. Our, God's, our God has given us a family, and we are to raise them up as instruments of God's will, whatever that is. We are also stewards of the truth. God gives us the truth, and we're supposed to, we're supposed to live that truth, and we're supposed to share the truth of the gospel with those who do not know it. And then the part we seem to all struggle with is treasure. The resources, and, and really, just to be honest, the money that God has given to us. Because of all that we steward, uh, but of most of all that we steward, giving is by far the most, the most controversial. Why is that? Let me give you a couple thoughts here. This is all by way of introduction, and I'll, I'll speed it up here. Because of the love of money. Because of the love of money. First Timothy says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. By the way, money's not the root of all evil. If you believe that, then you can come down here and leave your money in the altar and I'll make sure it gets sanctified, okay? When you go pay your bills, they expect payment. Uh, so it's not, it's not money, it's our attitude towards money. And some of us just have this attitude where, where it's everything to us. That's why I mentioned on Sunday, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, also because of the power of money, Luke chapter 18, verse 22, 23. When Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. This was in reference to a man who came and said, What must I do to have eternal life? Now, you don't do anything to have eternal life. Jesus did it all. Okay? But this man, the thing keeping him from Christ really was his money. And Jesus knew that, and he put his finger on that thing that, keep, that would keep him from trusting Christ. And he wouldn't do it. Money can just encompass our life and keep us from doing what we should do. And then also because of the worship of money. That Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No man can serve two masters. Someone has said that's why you can't have two wives, right? 
But for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Now, he takes that principle about having two masters, and he applies it to one specific thing. You cannot love God and mammon. Why did he apply it to money? Because obviously, money has the ability to become a little g God in our life. And so, we need to work on that, of course. So, God tells us the reasons that we need to give. All of these things are in your book if you have it there. First of all, we do it to be obedient to his will. Malachi chapter 3, we know the verse as well. He says, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. In other words, God expects us in our giving to be obedient to him. Okay. There are so many things we are, everything the Bible tells us to do is God's will. We understand that. And if we're going to be obedient to God, we follow his will. Uh, we follow his will in the way we live our life and the, the, the specific path he has for us. But we also follow God's will through the word of God. If God says it, that's it. I've had people come to me, like, Pastor, uh, I, I think God wants, uh, I, I found this, this person, and they're not even saved. I think that's the one God, it's like, no, are they saved? No, then, then I can tell you right now, it's not God's will. The Bible's pretty clear about that. And so, God's will is for us to give. And by the way, I didn't say it, but God did. If we don't, we are, we, we are, we are uh, robbing him. Ouch. Not stealing. Stealing is you sneak through the window, no one's there, you take it and you get away. Robbing. We take it right from the person. And so God's trying to teach us to do his will. By the way, we're looking for loopholes, but there is no loophole with giving. Someone says, oh, I got, I got a, a, a loophole, Pastor. God says, you know, he loves a cheerful giver. Let's not give grudgingly we, or out of necessity. God wants us to give cheerfully. So if I can't give cheerfully, God doesn't want me to give. Huh. Okay, let's, let, let's, let's think this through for a minute, shall we? First of all, it's not what it's saying. But let's just say God says adultery is wrong. But, but I can't obey God and not be an adulterer because I'd be miserable. Why do we apply it to money? There's no loophole. God's trying to say, hey, if we understand what God can do with our resources, we ought to be happy about it. We ought to be happy with what, what, with what is accomplished uh, uh, when we give. Also, it's for the needs of the church and the ministry. Bring you all those ties into the storehouse, that portion of the temple there, that there may be meat in my house. That's how the, the, the workers, uh, 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 the, the Levites and the workers and the priests, that's how they were taken care of. That's how the needs of the temple were taken care of through the giving. And that's why God wants us to give to our church, to meet the needs of the church. Y'all would be pretty upset if you came in and there was no air conditioning tonight. Well, maybe you're better Christians than me. I'd be upset. You guys like heat. I don't like heat. Okay, 90's not good, right? And, and, and I, li I like where I live. And I, I love this weather. But, you know, if we came here, we didn't have lights. If we had to push the buses down the street on Sunday. Okay, no. You know how all the ministry takes place? The people that are constantly coming in. They, by the way, we have had such a phenomenal summer. Man, last week was fantastic. All that you did and all you gave for youth conference, this place was packed. And on Sundays, we've just had tremendous Sundays. New people coming. The place is full. People getting saved. There was a family here. One of them got saved two weeks ago. They came back. The other one got saved this Sunday. 
People getting bad. By the way, that's because of your investment. You know, when we give them a track, we don't grab a, a, a napkin and we draw a picture of the church. We print them. Okay? And so all you're giving is making this happen. Also, giving is to prove his reality in our life. Verse 10 of Malachi 3, again he says, And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, if I I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. You know, it's funny. God promises here. He almost says, put me to the test. You know why he said that? Because it's hard to chisel loose that dollar every now and then, right? And it's hard like, I got bills to pay, and I get it. But God says, you put me to the test and see if I don't take care of you. You put me to the test and see if I don't bless you. Not me. So I want a money-back guarantee. There it is. Malachi 3.10. And guess what? There is no fine print. Unless you have a really small Bible, then it's all fine print. Also, he says to build our faith. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the, the, the fruits of your ground. Neither shall the vine cast forth her fruit before the time. Now they were an agricultural society. And God said, look, if you're giving, I'll protect your crops. I'll take care of you. By the way, God does take care of us. We may not have what we want, but God takes care of us. I mentioned before, years ago, when my wife and I first got married, we went through our first two or three cars within two weeks of our marriage. Two of them. Two. They blew up. We were praying for a car. Now, did someone say Ford? No, I said car. And, And we're praying for a car. Now, if you would have asked me what kind of car I wanted, I would have thought of a nice one. You know what, God? God provided us a car, by the way. It was a 1980 Chevy Chevette. You say, Pastor, what's a 1980 Chevy Chevette? Look in the dictionary. That's it. This little tiny car. By the way, it, didn't, it was low mileage. It ran great. Now, it was from Chicago, so it had rusted. So when it rained, it came up through the driver's thing because there was a piece of wood there and my pants would get wet. But it ran. God provided the car for us. wasn't a Maserati. That's for dead sure. But God takes care of us. He makes sure we have our needs if we will just believe and trust in him. Now, as we look back at the scripture we read earlier, I want us to see six principles of giving that we can look at here when it comes to being involved in stewardship. Look at number one. First of all, I want us to look at the principle of return. The principle of return. Look at verse six. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. The principle is one of sowing seeds. This is an agricultural thing. If you have a farm and and you're going out and you're planting, the amount you get is going to be determined a lot. There's other factors, but also how much seed are you sowing? You put just a couple seeds, your chances of getting a fruitful crop are, are very small, and the crop is going to be small. But the more seed you sow the more fruit that will grow. And so if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. Now, I don't know about you. I want to, spiritually speaking, 
reap bountifully. And by the way, let me say this. The goal here is not to chisel your money away. The goal is teaching a principle. And we're all at different places, right? By the way, my wife and I have always given. We've always tithed, more than the tithe. But, But in the early days, we had some really tight days. And there's times we went to where it's like, are you buying groceries? Or are we going to, 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 to tithe and pay as many bills as we can? In the early days, God always took care of us. But now, we're, you know, we have a little bit more money. So because we can, we'll give to more things. And we'll give uh, to things. You know, I, I'm, I'm, my wife will tell you, I do the finances in our house. And, and if it's something she wants for herself, if we have the money, she can get it. I could care less. But man, don't overspend on things we have to get. That's kind of that's hypocritical if you think about it, Right? Like, what was that for? Oh, I needed this. Like, okay, no problem. What was that for? Groceries. That was too much. You know, it doesn't work sometimes. But she knows it's true. Sometimes I'm like, because I, I, I do the accounting. We have a little home business, and that's part of it. And I'm like, what was that for? She goes, oh, um, there was a need here for someone, and I, I took care of it. I helped them with it. I'm like, okay. That never bothers me, by the way. She doesn't even have to ask. I, I don't mind that. I'm glad she has that mindset. And, um, and again, so it's not, it's wherever you're at, but you know what? Sometimes I just want blessing. Does God always pay you back for, for everything you get? Not financially, but spiritually. I mean, good things are happening. It's like, man, I'm in on that. The, you know who likes the, that we didn't do it, we're not doing it because our service is a little bit uh, shorter, but when we do the missionary videos every week, you know who the people are who like to see those missionary videos? The ones that give to missions. That's our investment, okay? I want to see what's going on. I, I get excited. Hey, we just started another church. I'm like, mm, I'm in on that. And so it's the principle of return. Any farmer would understand that. We understand that it. it's in Galatians. Be not deceived. God is not mock. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, we tend to use that verse and go a negative direction with it, but let's go a positive direction with it, Right? If we plant a good seed, we're going to get a good return. And if we plant more good seeds, we're going to get more good returns. There's a link between our giving and our return, our returned blessings. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, wherewithal it shall be measured to you again. God goes, you give and I'm giving back. You know, and the illustration in, in, in Malachi, uh, I'm going to open the windows of heaven so I can pour out a blessing. God's like, Here, let me open that window so I can chuck it out the window to you. God wants to bless us. Giving is like planting a seed. A harvest returns in direct proportion to that which we give. And by the way, fear in giving is, 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 is understandable, Okay. It is. We have to be very, very careful. I've used this story before. I won't go through the whole thing, but during the Dust Bowl in the 30s, the 1930s, when, when oh, that whole area around Oklahoma, uh, there was this, these storms coming through, and it just ripped all the good dirt away, and they couldn't get crops. And there were farmers that had to make decisions each year. Am I going to sow the seed this year, or am I going to hold off on it? It was one particular farmer, and, and, and you know, this was his last go-round. He goes, do I do this, or if it doesn't work, I'm out of here. I'm out of, I'll lose everything. And that year, he said, I'm, I'm going I'm to plant it all. And that was a year that the rains returned. And, and he got a good crop out of it. But if he would have never sowed the seed, he wouldn't have got a crop. Sometimes we want God to take care of us and provide blessing for us, and yet we never do anything through our giving to bless somebody else. 
It illustrates the truth of Proverbs eleven twenty four. There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. There is that withholdeth more than his meat, and it tendeth to poverty. In other words, he's not giving away as much. He's holding on to as much as he can. And you would think the person that holds on to the most, the, the person that hoards would have more. And God says, no, if the one who's scattering is the one who's going to have more. Generosity is a good principle. Also, there's a principle of involvement. Verse 7, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. That's a decision. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. See, those who are willing to God must do it purposefully. It's a decision that must be made. That's why, look, when we talked about it on Sunday, we challenged people to take the tithe challenge. And it's like, here's a commitment card. Commit to it. Some of them, it's like, you're struggling with it? Commit for 90 days. Why? Because I think God will prove himself. Why? Because God said he would. But it's like, sometimes we just have to commit. You say, but how's everything going to work out? I don't know. But if God says to do it, then we should do it and just commit to it and leave the results to him because God is good. So we ought to do that. Commitment. We have to have the right motives. We don't do it grudgingly. We do it because God tells us to. We give from the heart, not grudgingly. Right? You ever force your kids to share? How many? We've all done that. Hey, let so-and-so play with your toy. No. Like, yes, you are. You know, they'll do it sometimes, and they'll cry. They're, they're, not, they're not cheerful about it. They're grudging, okay? They're only doing it because you make them do it. It shouldn't be like that when we're giving to God. And we do it also we should, when it comes to motives, we should not just do because there's a need, but with joy, Okay? We ought to be joyful for it. There's an opportunity. We have special offerings. I understand that. We've had offerings for the building to finish it up and all these different things we're doing. Thank you so much for that. But, but we ought to have joy. Yes, that doesn't mean, well, I'm not just going to give because there's a need. No, if, if it's a need God wants us to do, we ought to joyfully say, I want to get involved and get this thing taken care of. It's a mother trying to teach her daughter about giving. She gave her a dollar and a quarter. She told her to give one and keep the other. After the service, the mom said, what one did you give? She goes, I gave the quarter. She goes, why did you only give the quarter and not the dollar? She goes, well, the pastor said gossip wants us to be joyful. And I figured if I had the dollar, I'd be more joyful. And that's how most of us are, right? Some people, okay, some of us give to the Lord like we're giving to the IRS. Or how about this one? You're a homeowner now. Uh, your home taxes. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, that'd be pretty hefty for rent for some of that. Look, when that bill comes every month, every year, I don't smile. And I have a bad attitude. Pray for me, Angel, here. I, got, I get the bill, and it's like, you have four months to pay it. Now, I put money aside ahead of time for that, and I'm like, I'm not paying it until the last minute. And I don't know why. I have the money, I can pay it, and it's done. I'm like, I'm putting that bill away, and for four months, I'm going to see that bill, and I'm going to wait till the last day. And I'm going to the website, and I'm going to pay it. You say, is that smart? Nope, but I feel better about it. <laughs> That's how most of us give. Remember when we're struggling with cheerful giving that God was spare, didn't spare anything in his giving. 
He that spareth not his own son, Matt, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 32, but deliver him up uh, for us, deliver him up for us all, how shall it not be, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Number three, I gotta hurry. The principle of trust. Verse eight. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You can take that out of its context, but if it's in the context of giving, and God makes the great grace abound towards you, that you'll have sufficiency. You'll have what you need in all things. So you can be involved with giving. It takes trust to do that. Obeying God and giving is a spiritual dynamic. Therefore, it requires faith, which is nothing more than requiring trust. And God's grace will help us. We already looked at the verse, but in Malachi, he said, prove me. The only way you will experience harvest from your giving is to actually be involved with giving. Just trusting God enough and obey him in your giving. Here's simple logic. It tells us that based on God's character, he does not command us to do that which we cannot do. He can't. He would never ask us to do something that was outside of the realm of our ability and capability to do it. Someone put it this way, God's commandments are God's enablements. By the very fact that God asks us or tells us to do something means that he knows that we can do it. We just need to decide to do it. But we struggle with it. You remember the story, there was, I think it was uh, uh, Truett, George Truett, a pastor in, the, in the, the, first, the first half of the 1900s in, um, in Dallas area. And he had a man come to his church and he goes, I'm having a problem, I need you to pray for me. He goes, okay, what's the problem? He goes, you know, when I first started tithing, I was only making $50 a month. Now, this is 100 years ago almost. He goes, and it was nothing to give that $5. He goes, and then I started making $500 a month. And he's like, and it was hard, but I gave that $50. He goes, now I'm making $5,000 a month. And back then, that's a huge amount. He goes, and I just cannot give that $500. I just can't do it. Pastor, would you pray for me? He goes, sure, let's pray. And George W. Truett said, Lord, I pray that you would decrease this man's income to the place where he can start giving again. And he's like, whoa, 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 that's not what I was looking for. But you just do it out of trust. Why is it that the more we make, the harder it is to give, right? Be very careful about that. Number four, the principle of stewarding. Verse 9. As he has written, he that he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown the increase, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. But he that ministereth seed to the sower. Who's that? Who gives the sower seed? Well, for us, God gives us everything we have. Now, pastor, I go out and work. God gave you the health to work. God, God allows you to have that job. And by the way, don't get proud. Now, I, that's me. This is what I'm doing. Be careful. God could pull the carpet out from under us any day he wants. And God's not looking to do that. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's not got a hammer looking to club over your head. I'm saying let's realize that God is the one 
that's allowing us to do these things. And we ought to be thankful. And we ought to use what he gives us, the process. We sow the seed that God gives us in the first place. Then God provides for us. Then God blesses the seed and makes it fruitful, giving us a harvest. And by the way, what happens when we do that? We give more. Stewarding realizes that the process starts with what God has given us already. You know, pastor, if I had more, I'd be more generous. You can't make, you can't <clears throat> make decisions on, based on what you want to have in the future when it comes to giving. You can only make decisions based on what you have now. <clears throat> and the fact of the matter is, if you can't be a good steward of what you have now, why would God give you more? And if you do get more, you won't be a good steward of it, in, of it, of it then. That's discontentment. When we're discontent with whatever we have, we will never be content no matter if we get more. That's just how we are. Okay? We, we, we all, look, I, there was a survey years ago, and they asked, they asked people, what amount of money do you feel would be a good target for you to have in your life? And whether the person was making 10000 or or 100000 the number they gave was always double what they're making. Because we always want more. The person wanting 10 says, if I had 20000 I'd be happy. And the person who has 20000 says, I need forty. And if they got forty, you know how much they'd want? 80. We have to have contentment. So why do we struggle as Christians? Because we abort the process in the first step. We don't give it all regardless of what we have. Here's the question. The question isn't, are you a steward? The question is, what kind of steward are you? Everybody's a steward. Not me, pastor. I'm not going to give a penny. Okay, you're still a steward. You're just not a good one. Now, I'm, uh, it's not me. That would be God. You're a steward, though. What are you doing with it, right? When he gave the three men the talents... Was it one, two, and five? Two of, the, two, of the, two of them doubled. One of them did nothing. Well, you know, I'm, just, I'm not like the other two. No, you were a bad steward. You didn't take what God gave you and use it correctly. That's the point there. And then number five, the principle of blessing. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness. I like that word enriched. There used to be a bread that said enriched with vitamins. Probably had two, right? You know, but they want you to think like, man, if you eat this bread, you're going to be muscle-bound and feel great. You're probably going to be sluggish, but anyhow. Being enriched in everything, in all bountifulness, which caused it through us thankfulness to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the wants of the saints, the needs of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings to God. It helps meet the need, but it also creates thankfulness of God. The problem for some of us, we want the blessings of the church without partaking in the provisions of the church. We want to receive from the church, but we want to never give towards the church. Let me know what I mean by that. We want the good, but we don't want to be involved with making it happen. I, I want to come and just sit in the services and be blessed and all that, and if that's you, that's great. But you don't want to serve, you don't want to, you don't want to contribute, you don't want to be a part of what's going on. That's where real joy comes. My first six months in church, because I never went to church in my, in, in, in my life. I was just ignorant five times maybe before I got right with God. I just wanted to soak everything in. And I did that for six months. After six months, it's like it's time to do something. I started getting involved. 
Sunday school, bus ministry, helping them set up for school, tape ministry, uh, the rest home ministry, you name it, I jumped in. And you know what? Church was so much better. The more I gave of myself, the more I invested in the church, the more I loved it, the more I enjoyed it. It was a blessing. God has provided for all the needs of the church. How does he do that? He does that by the giving of its members. Okay? God uses us who are members of this church to meet the needs of the church. Reminds me of a story. Two men were on a boat and they got stranded on an island. And one guy, one guy was concerned and the other guy just sat under a, the shade of a coconut tree doing nothing. And the other guy's trying to start a fire and he's trying to figure ways how he could get ships to come there. And he kept telling the guy, help me. And the guy's like, no. And finally, after a couple days of this, he goes, why aren't you helping? Don't you realize we're stranded? We're never going to get off this island? And he said, don't worry about it. He goes, I make $100,000 a month and I tithe to my church. My pastor will find me. <laughs> By the way, if that was you, I would find you. Okay, I'll send Brother Ross to do it. Number six, the principle of growth. The principle of growth. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel for, and for your liberal distribution. You see, they, they weren't just giving anymore. They were giving liberally. They were giving abundantly. Now, I'm going to go on a limb and guess they didn't start there. And by the way, most people don't start there. But as you give, if God starts to bless you, you want to do more. Yep. You want to be more involved. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to hammer you. You'll work that out with God. But if you really get in on what God's doing, you'll want to be involved. Yep. And the more you get involved, and if God starts to give you more resources, you're going to want to be involved. When you see what it's doing and you see people that are being saved, you see people whose lives are being changed, you see good things happening on the mission field and in other places, you say, man, I, I want to get more involved, and you'll give liberally. Just like in any, just like we grow in any spiritual discipline, we grow in giving also. Don't we grow in our Bible reading? All the spiritual things we do. We start, you know, when we first started sharing the gospel, right, just handing out tracts because we didn't want to talk to people. And then I had a, for me, I had a little plan of salvation in my New Testament. I had to open it up and read through it. But I grew in that. I grew in my Bible understanding. I grew in some of these things. Spiritual disciplines, we grow in our giving as well. There are five levels of givers I've seen in a church. And growing Christians can progress through these. There's what we call the non-giver. There's people that have never given, right? New people, they don't understand it. That's fine. By the way, I hope that's not someone that's been here for a while. Okay. Uh, you know, man, I, I wouldn't want to miss out on what God's doing. But then there's new givers. That's someone that's like, you know, hey, I'll give, I'll give. I just, they, they're new and spirit hit them and they threw something in. That's great. Then there's a regular giver. There, there's some, they just, they give regularly. It's not the tithe, but, you know, they went on a pretty consistent basis, throw something in. But then we need to get to being a systematic giver. That's someone who ties. That's someone that says, you know, this is what God says. This is my church, and I want to tithe. And then you get to be a generous giver. You give over and above the tithe. Our missions, our building campaign, bus ministry. And by the way, I'm, I'm very thankful. We have all these, we, and we do special offerings 
for something and, 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 and you guys just step up. I'm, I'm so, we did the thing for Brother Tongdi and, and uh, we, were trying, he, I th- we were trying to get him $7,000 and then he's like, we need 20000 for the building. And I'm like, hey, let's do it during the missions conference. Let's give twenty. We ended up with like twenty-five. Okay, so you do that. You're catching it. But don't ever lose that. Don't ever lose that, you know, I'll invest in this certain stock because it's going to take off. God's stock, stock always takes off. Always takes off. So when it comes to decisions of giving, there must be a starting place, right? What is the starting place for Christians? 10%. 10%. That's it. That's a good, that's a good starting place. If you're newer and you haven't do that, maybe you weren't here Sunday for whatever reason, make sure we're doing that. It was a missionary, and they had people that weren't really making money, but he talked a little about the tithe in one of his messages, and, and one of his men came, and he, he, brought, he brought a fish to the pastor. He said, you know, you talked about tithe, 10%. I'm, go, I'm, I'm fishing. You get one out of 10. Here's your fish. And he goes, where's the other fish? He goes, I haven't caught him yet. I'm going to go get him. Now, if that was me, it would have probably taken me months to get the other nine, okay? Unless I take Brother Ross with me, I don't do very well. But he understood the process. Here's the thing. And I mentioned it on Sunday and I'm done. The joy that comes from giving is, comes primarily to the person who gives. Right? Years ago, I was, I was a book on stewardship someone told me about, so I got it. It was called The Donut Principle. And I thought, well, I like stewardship and I like donuts. You put the two together, boom, that'll work. Here's a whole, I don't even remember what the book said, but here was the whole principle of the book. It was small. This guy's sitting there in his chair, taking it easy, and his little daughter came up. She was about three, and she gave him a plastic donut. Daddy, for you. And he's like, really, for me? Yep, and he took the plastic donut from her. And he said he noticed as she walked away the smile on her face and how happy she was that she could give something to her dad. Giving's like that. The person who's the most joyful is a person that does give because they understand what God's doing and they understand that their life isn't tied up to money. And again, pay your bill. All that. I'm not telling you to give all your money in the offering plate, but you know what I'm saying. Let's make sure that we get in on stewardship what God wants us to do. Let's stand together. I want a couple minutes longer than we typically do. I'm sorry about that. So next week, uh, whoever preaches, we'll take 10 minutes away from them, okay? We'll, we'll make it up right there. So I hope, and again, I, I feel sometimes, especially on a Thursday night, our core people that I'm preaching to the choir because you are a giving church, and I'm grateful for that, and that's why we're able to do what we do in ministry here, and so I encourage you, keep it up. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful we can be together tonight. We're grateful for what you're doing. Thank you for these dear folks. I pray you'd bless us. Lord, I, I, I pray you continue to meet our needs, help us to be a generous church, and use what we give to further the gospel and make a difference as, as we're trying to do and is happening here in our community and in our world through the gifts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.